Well, we're turning tonight in our Bible to the book of Isaiah. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 7. And I want you to read with me from verse 17. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 17. And I would encourage you to follow very closely the reading of the scriptures. This is maybe a portion that maybe you've never heard read before. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 17. The Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon thy father's house days that have not come from the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall hiss for the fly that is in the uttermost parts of the rivers of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they shall come and shall rest all of them in the desolate valleys and in the holes of the rocks and upon all thorns and upon all bushes. In the same day shall the Lord shave with a razor that is hired, namely, by them beyond the river, by the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet, and it shall also consume the beard. And it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep. And it shall come to pass for the abundance of milk that they shall give. He shall eat butter, for butter and honey shall everyone eat that is left in the land. And it shall come to pass in that day that every place shall be where there were a thousand vines at a thousand silverlings, it shall even be for briars and thorns. With arrows and with bows shall men come thither, because all the land shall become briars and thorns. And on all hills that shall be digged with the mattock, there shall not come thither the fear of briars and thorns, but it shall be for the sending forth of oxen, and for the treading of lesser cattle. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. And even though it's an unfamiliar place, I pray the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Now, my text tonight is taken from Isaiah chapter 7 and the verse 21 and 22. And it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep. And it shall come to pass for the abundance of milk that they shall give. He shall eat butter, for butter and honey shall everyone eat that is left in the land. And I want us to think tonight of the theme, gospel lessons from a young cow. Now the cow is a very interesting animal. 
It is mentioned 27 times in the Bible. Seven of these references use the word cow, C-O-W. Another 20 of them, it is translated kine, K-I-N-E. Now, if I add the word heifer, you get another 19 references. So there's 19 times in the Bible the word heifer is used. A heifer, of course, is a young cow in calf. And that's a total of 36. So, so the Bible has a lot to say about the cow. And it's mentioned in the book of Genesis, and it runs right through to the book of Hebrews. And you can look up some of these references. And one of these references is found in Isaiah 7, verse 21. And it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep. So if you look at our text, it mentions a young cow. The word young is in italics. So, so it's really a reference to a cow. Now let me give you the context here. It says, and it shall come to pass in that day. You see, in that day, it's a reference to the day and destruction and desolation that's going to come on Jerusalem and Judah. Isaiah is thinking of the invasion of the land by the Egyptian army, by the Assyrians, and possibly by the Babylonians. And not only is that day a day of great destruction and death, but it's also a day of great poverty. There will be few agricultural products left to enjoy. The great resources that the leading agricultural families enjoyed have been taken away. And what is left is a few poor men to till the land. And, and one of these men, we're told in that day, shall depend for his living upon a single cow and two sheep. And here's a reference to the scarcity, not only of men, but also of cattle. The ravages of war have taken their toll. There's no more large herds out in the field. Many farmers have been reduced to a single cow and two sheep. And yet the wonder of the text is this, that these animals were enough to support themselves and their family. And that's what verse 22 is all about. And it shall come to pass for the abundance of milk that they shall give. Shall he eat butter for butter and honey? Shall every one that is left eat in the land? Now, having read this verse about the cow, it got me thinking. And as I've said, it's a very, very interesting animal. You're all familiar with cows. You, you see them in the field. And of course, I believe that the cow and the bull were two of the animals that Noah had with him in the ark that survived Noah's flood. I'm not saying he had Holstein Friesian cows, a well-known breed here in Northern Ireland, but maybe he had. What I know is that the cow was one of the animals that was with Noah in the ark. So I want you to think with me tonight about the cow. And there's four things I want to tell you. I want you to think, first of all, about the birth of the cow. In the book of Job, another of those seven references to the cow, the Bible says in Job 21 and verse 10, the bull gendereth and faileth not, 
their cow calveth and casteth not her calf. So, so there's a reference to the birth of a calf. Now, every farmer in Northern Ireland has what is called a herd book. It's a, a legal necessity. And all the records of the cow are kept in that herd book. It becomes a, a lawful record. So you've got the gender of the calf, whether it's male or female, heifer or bull. You've got the breed. Is it a Holstein Friesian, an Aberdeen Angus, a Belgian blue? You've got the color. Is it black and white? Is it blue? Is it black all over? You've got the date of birth. Is not important? The date that is sold to the mart or to another farmer and the date that it died. All very important information. And of course, the Bible teaches that God has a book. Remember what we read in Revelation 21 and verse 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The big question tonight is this. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Have you been born again of the Holy Spirit? Remember John says, John 3 and 7, you must be born again. That means born from above. Was there a day and time in your life when you recognized you were a sinner? When you repented of that sin, you cried out, God be merciful to me, the sinner. And you believed and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior of sinners. And you tonight know him. You know him intimately. You know him personally. You know him savingly. You see, he knows all about you. He knows the day of your birth. He knows all about the life that you live from you get up in the morning till you go to sleep at night. He even knows when you're sleeping. He knows your thoughts. He knows every word that you've spoken. He knows the hairs of your head. And one of the angels was to ask him, is so-and-so's name in the Lamb's book of life? He could say yes. Now you're familiar if we change the analogy to school. And it probably still happens to this day in the form class. In my day, you had to respond when your name was called. And if the teacher called David McLaughlin, and in fact it wasn't even David McLaughlin because it was just McLaughlin. And you had to say, present sir or present miss. It wasn't just present, it was present sir or present miss. And I was thinking again of that hymn, and we're going to close with it in 341, I'll be present when the roll is called. You see, I'll be present when they call my name. Why? Because my name is in the book. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know for sure tonight? Turn back there in your Bible, if you can, to Isaiah chapter 1. Look with me at verse 3. It says, The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Think of this. The ox knoweth his owner, the ass knoweth his master's crib. But in contrast... Israel doth not know. That is, they don't know me intimately, personally, savingly. They don't me as their God. And, and, and my people, they don't consider this. They don't contrast what the animals know 
with what they ought to know. You see, there's a story told of a young man who grew up in Sunday school, brought up in an evangelical church, a hard-working young man, but he had little time for God or the things of God. He was a farmer's son. He was a wee small farm, and eventually, of course, sadly, his father died early in life, and the wee farm was sold, and he was heartbroken. And as a young man, he went off to Canada. And of course, in Canada, he met a girl, and he started the court, and he eventually got married. And lo and behold, he became a very successful farmer. He had a large dairy herd. And whenever he was an old man, late in his life, he was standing over the gate of one of his many fields. And as he stood there, the heifers came. You see, that, that's what heifers do. They're, they're very nosy. And if you stand there long enough, they, they'll come over. And he stood there, and they started to lick his hand. And of course, they have tongues as sharp as a razor. And the moment he licked his hand, he remembered. And he remembered a text of scripture. And what was that text of scripture? It was the ox knoweth his owner. And the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know my, doth not know my people doth not consider. And in a moment that verse of the Bible came into his mind. My cattle know me, he thought. I'm their owner. I'm their master. But I don't know the Lord. I have never considered the things of God. And he began to think. You know what he did? He went into the house and he started to read his Bible. And he prayed, God, if you're there, reveal yourself to me. He started to attend church. And after a period of time in the land of Canada, he was born again as an old man, gloriously saved. And he started to witness and work for God. And you know what the wonderful thing is? His family followed him. His wife got saved. And his sons and daughters got saved. And, and, and their grandchildren started attending Sunday school. Now, now let me ask you tonight. Have you such a testimony that you know the Lord? Could you say with the hymn writer we were singing, born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine, justified fully through Calvary's love? Oh, what a standing is mine, and the transaction so quickly was made. When as a sinner I came, took of the offer of grace he did proffer, he saved me. Oh, praise his dear name. As you think of the animal called the cow in the Bible think about the birth of the cow recorded in the herd book and every other details recorded in that book I want you to think secondly of the branding of the cow you see this was known in farming circles as freeze branding and every year down in Ferndale there's a man called Archie Fleming a very nice little man until you cross him. And he comes, he loved me for saying that, and he frees brands all the heifers. So I want you to think of cattle when they're old enough and the day comes and every farmer puts a brand mark on them. He puts a number, he puts a mark, so they're easily identified at his. And, and, and they know their own. And, and, and everybody else knows who they belong to. And of course we've seen this, have we not, in the old cowboy films? I must confess I'm partial to an old cowboy film. Um, True Grit of John Wayne comes to mind. And um, you, you, you see in that film a, a, a season known as the branding season. See, cows can wander off, can't they? Cows can get lost. You leave a gate open. And the cows, of course, are very nosy, very silly. And they 
have to get out to see what's going on. They think the grass is better and greener on the other side, and they can become a danger to themselves. They can become a danger to pedestrians. They can become a danger to car users. Of course, we know of well that cows can be stolen. And um, this is true. They have been stolen even in Northern Ireland. So shortly after they're born, every calf is not only given a set of ear tags with the farmer's number on it, but over time, as it's reared up, it's got a special mark put on it, a permanent mark, a mark that will not wash off or wear off. And you can see it at a distance. It's called freeze branding. The freeze branding of the cow. And you see, here, here's the application tonight. From the day that you're born again of the Holy Spirit, God puts a mark on every child of his so he can identify his, so that others can know they belong to the Lord. And do you know what that mark is? That mark's a threefold mark. It's the blood mark. He sees the blood sprinkled by faith. Remember he says in Exodus 12 and 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And, and for everyone that's born of the Spirit, he, he, he sees that blood mark. But he not only sees the blood mark, but he sees that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Turn over there to Ephesians chapter 1 and in the verse 13. And remember what we read there in Ephesians 1 and 13. It says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You see, Christians are not only born of the Spirit, but they're indwelt by the Spirit. And, and they're led by the Spirit. And, and they've got gifts by the Spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit will never lead you into sin, young people. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do what's contrary to the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit will lead you always into saintliness, always into the pathway and the progress of sanctification. And it's important that you realize that tonight. So if you're born of the Spirit and you're in Christ and the blood marks upon you, you're also indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 18, be filled with this, be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But there's a third mark, and it's this. The love of God shed abroad in your heart. It's not what Romans, if you look at Romans chapter 5, look with me at verse 13, or, or verse 5, Romans 5 and 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So we've got the blood mark. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit as a gift from God. And the Holy Spirit who comes in to dwell our hearts, he does something wonderful within us. He fills us with this great spirit of love. It's called the love of God. And I want to say tonight, publicly from this pulpit, and I was very tempted to preach on the subject of true love, but I confess I just couldn't get a text to, to fit all around that I wanted to say on the subject. But that love is a love for God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. That love's a love for Jesus Christ. Philemon, verse 5, or Philemon 5, was a man who loved the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He also had a love for the saints. He had a tender heart. He had a forgiving spirit. He was a good man. He he often refreshed the saints. The Bible says do good to all men, especially they who are the household of faith. And why would you want to hurt your brother? Why would you want to do him harm? Why would you want to put your brother down? See, see, it's not reflective of the love of God in Christ. What about a love for the scriptures? Psalmist said, oh, how I love thy law. What about a love for the house of God and the day of God and a love for souls so that you long and live to see your family saved? What about a love for our enemies? Now, we're not good at thinking about that in the free Presbyterian church, but the Bible tells us to love our enemies, to pray for those that despitefully use you. The Bible tells us to to feed our enemies. These are all important concepts. And we can't just pick and choose and say, oh, well, I love God and love Christ and love the Bible. And, uh, well, I have a love for some saints, but but not all of them. And I have a love for, for the odd soul, but I don't love my enemy. You see, remember Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth me. The word constraineth means directs me, prompts me, overrules and guides me. And you see, when you think about the branding of a cow... As a believer, God has put his mark on you threefold. The blood mark, the gift of the Spirit, and the love of God in your heart. And here's the full umbrella of that love. This is the way it's seen. The Bible says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Let let him go to the lowest hell. You can't love God and not love Christ. And you can't not love Christ and not love the Scriptures and love the day of God and the house of God and the name of God. And if you love that, you'll love the souls of men and you'll love God's saints and you'll want to do everything you can to help them in life's journey and you'll never hinder them. And you'll certainly not want to hurt them or inflict pain upon them or, or make any decision that would impact adversely upon them. And you'll love your enemies. You pray for them that persecute you. Want to put you to death. Wasn't it the founding father of Teen Challenge that our sister Deborah Swandle is involved in, Sydney's daughter, a man called Nicky Cruz. And he was going to knife a man called David Wilkinson who was the founding father of Teen Challenge. And this is what David Wilkinson said to him in a New York street. You could cut me into a thousand pieces, young man. But every piece will say, I love you in Jesus' name. And that young man, Nicky Cruz, he he broke down. And he got down on his knees and he wept. Leader of a gang in New York. You see, the love of God. Very quickly, I want you to think thirdly of the bounds of the cow. Cows can get lost. They're prone to break out of an open gate and if you're moving cattle you need all the gaps and the road and the lanes closed why because they're prone to break free they're prone just to to wander out they need to be bound in and we have known cows that have jumped the odd fence never mind electric fence but but barbed wire fences and done tremendous damage to themselves and of course it will jump through the odd fence or go through an open gap because it thinks the grass is greener than the other side. Did you know that cows can be obstinate? They can be hard to move if they don't want to. Therefore, they have to be shut in. And that's why a farmer keeps them in a field with a locked gate and keeps them in a shed. 
And, and it's not a picture of us. Aren't we all sinful, obstinate creatures? Aren't we born with a sinful nature? Didn't the psalmist say, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me? And this sinful nature separates us from God. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And because of my sinful nature that I was born with, I'm prone to stray and break free from God and be a danger to myself and, and go astray. That rebellion, that bias is built in. And there's a proneness to break the rules. Why do young people break the rules? Why do they start a row at home with mummy or daddy? Why, why, why do they give cheek to the teacher? Why is there this rise on, 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 on children hitting teachers? Pray for our teachers. It's not an easy job, you know. Young people are not really keen on authority. Why? Why is there this proneness to, to disrespect authority? Because of this sinful nature with which we're born. And you know, whenever a cow wanders off, breaks out of a field, it doesn't find its own way back. It stays where it is. That's why they need to be shut in. That's why there needs to be a fence and a gate. And of course, spiritually speaking, we need to be shut into Christ. We need to be led and guided by him. I think of cows at the Balmoral Show seen it on television and some of them are being led around the ring and they're not just walking around the ring by themselves they're led by a halter why to keep the cow under control the bull has a ring in its nose to keep the bull under control to keep it in submission to its own owner because by itself it would be unruly by itself it would be hard work and of course, there's farmers here, and they know that cows can be very dangerous, especially if a cow has just given birth to a calf. And it could turn on you very quickly and give you a dunk with its head. It could kick you. It could try and jump through you. And you see, without the halter, a, a cow would be unruly and, and, and kept its own way, and it needs to be kept under control. Are we not bound to the Lord by the great cord of salvation? Are we not saved so that we can be led by him? Do you love to be led by him, led by his dear hand? Do, do you not save tonight and you live to do as well? Remember the, the, uh, the, the uh, Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. Uh, do, do you not live to be loyal to Christ and delight in being submissive to him and yield yourself to him? Think of the cow being submissive to the owner and the master being, being led with the halter because you know him and his marks upon you. But what is true of the cow has to be true of the child of God. The Bible tells us there in the book of Romans, we read it this morning, Romans chapter 12. Listen to these words. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, this is part and parcel of being a Christian. A Christian is not only a soul saved, but it's a life handed over to the Lord, come under new ownership, under new management, and we become submissive to him, and we love to be led by him. We live for him, we're loyal to him. I want you to think of one final thing. The benefits of the cow. 
Do you know that a cow is a very resourceful animal? They're very useful. They're unique, really, in the animal kingdom. Let's think for a moment. Cows produce milk. The average cow can give up to 70 or 80 litres a day. Uh, A cow can produce meat. You think of roast beef and sausages and sirloin steak. Think of the milk, cheese, butter, yogurt, fresh cream. Doesn't our text mention some of those things? Of course it does. Think of the hide of the cow. Leather. Where does our shoes come from? Leather. What about the leather belts? What about the horns of the cow? Years ago, they used to be used to make handles for a walking stick or buttons. What about the hoofs of the cow? Ah, well, they're useless. You just throw them out. Well, let me tell you that years ago, that's where glue started with. They, 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 They boiled them down in a pot And when they melted, it it produced a thick paste that was used as glue to to stick things together. Even think of a dead cow. I'm thinking of the cow going off in the cart to the burn house. That's not just the end of it. Sure it's not. It's used for cat food and dog food. Maybe other things. You see, the cow has loads of uses. There's no part unimportant. It's very resourceful. And it's not true of every believer. You tonight as a believer, you're useful to God. Don't ever tell yourself you're useless. You're not a mess. You're marvelous because God has made you in his image. Remember the wee boy with the lunch? Five loaves, barley loaves, two fishes, the banks of the sea of Galilee. He gave it to Christ. Christ took it, prayed over it, and he fed 5,000 and 12 baskets are left. See, see, God can make you useful. And if he can take a wee boy's lunch, you can pray tonight, Lord, use me. Lord, use me to speak to someone, to invite them to church. Lord, use me to speak to a soul in a way that's glorifying to you. Lord, help me to give out a tract or a wee book. Lord, help me to buy a cup of coffee to that man and not just have a word for, or something for his body, but, but have a word for his soul. See, cow's very resourceful. I want you to think of this as we close. A cow is very resilient. Whenever there's heavy rain, and there's been heavy rain this week, if you were driving through the countryside, you would see the cows sheltering underneath the tree or in at the back of the hedge. And you know what happens in a very bad day, very, very thundery uh, day with thunder and lightning? The cows gather round the gate. And the minute the farmer opens the gate or unhooks the piece of string, they're in a hurry to get in. They love the cubicles. Do you you know that cows are very picky eaters? They just don't eat anything. Think of the weeds in the field, the rushes, nettles, thorns, briars. Oh, they don't eat any of that. They eat silage. They eat grass. They get maize meal and soya and wheat, and they love it. And and I want to tell you, when when it's feeding time, I heard of a farmer down the country in County Armagh and he used to stand at the gate and he used to rattle the bucket against the gate and the cows came from two or three fields away in to be milked. Isn't that great? I've heard of another farmer who has a dog uh, called um, Jip, J-I-P, a, a, a 
collie dog, and the farmer says to the, the little dog at certain times of the day, Go get them, girl. And away the wee dog goes, and the cows come in in single file, sometimes two or three abreast, and the cows follow the lead cow. Sometimes the farmer goes into the field and he calls them, and the cows come following each other. I want to ask this in closing. Have you realized that God is calling you to repent and believe the gospel? Have you heard that call? Have you responded to that call? Will you follow others who have responded to that call? Think of loved ones on the road to heaven tonight. And in your family circle, you're not on the road to heaven. Think of loved ones up in heaven. I think of that little statement, I have a blessed mother up in the glory land. And I don't intend to stop until I shake her hand. She's waiting there for me at heaven's open door, but I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And a loved one who's died in Christ is a great incentive to, to follow that loved one and to hear the call of God and repent and believe and come to Christ. Did you ever hear of a priest called Father Charles Chinoque? A Canadian priest. He wrote two books, 50 years in the Church of Rome, 40 years in the Church of Christ. Did you know he grew up in a Roman Catholic family? Do you know that his family was poor? His father died like me when he was a boy. Did you know that the priest came to the home? And the priest told the mummy, I need money for the masses. I need money to offer prayers to get your husband out of purgatory. And the wee woman says, well, well, I have no money, Father. The only thing we have is one skinny cow. Do you know what he did? This is true. Read about it. The priest took the poor widow's cow and left them with nothing. But you don't need masses said for you, for the repose of your soul. You, you don't need someone to light candles, or you don't need good works. You need Christ. And if you hear his voice and him saying, follow me, come to me, then you're, listen to this verse, and I close with this. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. What a tremendous verse. And I shared this with some at the cook funeral after the funeral service. Remember what the Bible tells us there. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. See the handles on the inside. Christ is knocking at your heart's door right now and he's saying, come to me. Come and repent. Come and believe the gospel. Come and trust me. Come and I'll take you to heaven. Come and follow me on the road of life. I'm not a bad example. I won't give you bad advice. I won't lead you into drink or drugs. I'll lead you into blessing and the fullness of life for I'm come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. There's the benefits of the cow. It's very resourceful. But also, it's very resilient. How resilient are you to the call of Christ? Will you respond tonight?
Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you. Thanks for coming.